Welcome to the ADP Podcast with your hosts, J-Rob and LP. We'll talk sports, we'll talk life, and everything in between. So grab a cold one, pull up a chair, and step inside. And this burning question that I've had a bunch of times at work that I've been kind of dying to ask you, especially since we have the same mother. Do you pee in the shower? Peeing in the shower. Yeah, because it's like conversations (laughs) that I have. It appears to me most people do. One thing about history is we don't want to forget history. We want to use history so we don't, we're not doomed to repeat it. So we did things that were important to keep Americans uh, strong, to keep their spirits lifted. And baseball was, I would say, at the foundation of that. I, I don't believe that baseball is our national pastime. Um, I, I think that other sports are more popular. I think other sports are played more often. But then again, I guess it depends on your definition of pastime. Right? No, because uh, honestly, I don't even enjoy watching baseball. You know, The NBA is a glorified pickup game. But it's a pickup game that I'm tuning in for because these new combinations, I want to see how the come together. It's upping the level of competition. So now, instead of just uh, a, a two-dynamo team, you know, with Jordan and Pippen, that, that was kind of the terminology, now you have to have three and maybe even four superstars on the team. The thing that you don't see is you don't hear about Michael Jordan like, hey, after I came back to basketball, I, I made a phone call to D-Rod and said, hey, man, why don't you come and hoop with us? It, it didn't go down that way. Hey, and welcome to the ADP podcast a different perspective you're on with your host lp and the second host lp uh we have dr powell on the line um which is also my brother he's filling in for j rob this week j rob we we look forward to having him back but he's got some stuff to handle so we're still making sure that the podcast goes forward and dr powell well i guess technically you're you're a dentist kind of like they said in in the hangover so do you identify as doctor or? <laughs> you know, I identify as whatever you want to call me. But first and foremost, I identify as your, your baby brother. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to go ahead and be filling in for J-Rob. J-Rob, we miss you, brother. Uh, but, you know, I have to say, let me start off by saying I'm a big fan of the show. Um, I've been tuning in and you guys have some, some really cool topics at ADP. Uh, but you can call me just LP Jr. if you would. <laughs> okay, well, you got LP and LP Jr. on the podcast <laughs> today. And um, just a quick rundown of what the show is going to be about today. We're going to get into a debate over whether or not baseball is still America's national pastime. So I have an opinion on that. A lot of you may disagree, but we'll get into that. Then also we're going to have a little conversation about the NBA. We're going to get into whether or not uh, – the super teams in the NBA are, are killing the league. Like, so we'll get into some conversation about that. And then also the new NBA tampering rulings. We might touch on that a little bit, but before we jump into it, there's this question, this burning question that I've had a bunch of times at work that I've been kind of dying to ask you, especially since we have the same mother for that much. We have the same father too. So I guess, you know, <laughs> brother from a different mother does not apply. Don't work. Nope. <laughs> hey, do you pee in the shower? Peeing in the shower. Yeah, because it's like 
conversations <laughs> that I have, it appears to me most people do. And this is something that, that to me, it's disgusting. It's, it, it's gross. It's like, hey, because the shower is never far removed from the toilet, which is where, in my mind, urine and poop go. However, most people feel that the water's running, the drain is right there, and then when the water hits your body, all of a sudden you get the urge, and if you do, you just let it rip. And I'm, I'm curious, what do you do? Well, let me preface this by saying a resounding no. I believe that you should go and get out of the shower and go take a pee. However, I can see the convenience of pissing in the shower. And I'm 100% convinced that our grandpa used to piss in the shower all the time. Because everybody would say, dang, you know he pisses in the shower, right? <laughs> and I'm just positive that it would disgust everybody else but our grandfather. And I would also say that I am convinced that my wife also pisses in the shower. Have you had this conversation about peeing in the shower? You know, I, I think so. I remember a long time ago when our toilet was straight up clogged up. And it was clogged up because I used to drop some serious D-loads in, in the toilet. <laughs> and it just was out of commission for at least, at least two or three days. And so she had no choice but to go and piss in the shower. So there it is. I put myself out there on Front Street. My See, I, I would have a problem with that because I've had this conversation with my wife. And it mostly sounds like this. Because I, I do... Well, right now we have clean a cleaning service. Oh my God, it sounds so bougie, but like we have a cleaning service. Very short time, short lived thing. But um, I, I'm the one that gets on my hands and knees to clean the shower. So it's like, hey, babe, please don't pee in the shower. Right? <laughs> I mean, this whole thing is so prevalent that when I tell people, they say, you pee in the shower, Larry. You're a guy, you pee in the shower. And I'm like, no, never. It's no. gross to me that they don't believe me. That's how pervasive this thing is. Wow. You know, I, I would have never thought to even have the conversation at work. Of course, you know, I'm typically dealing with the other end. And so, <laughs> yeah, we don't really talk about peeing in the shower too tough. But it's good to know that that's what's, you know, on y'all's mind at, at your job. You <laughs> <laughs> hey, were always focused on the important things. Speaking there of it is. We have to jump into this debate over whether or not baseball is America's national pastime. It has largely been regarded as such. Uh, however, I, I would like to contribute a different point of view. I, I don't believe that baseball is our national pastime. Um, I, I think that other sports are more popular. I think other sports are played more often. But then again, I guess it depends on your definition of pastime. And so mm -hmm. before I go deeper into my opinion, I want to hear some of your thoughts. You know, in America, we, we, we're just rich in history, right? So when we think about history, we have to think about the things that have given us um, entertainment throughout those tough times in our history. And one thing about history is we don't want to forget history. We want to use history so we don't, we're not doomed to repeat it. So we did things that were important to keep Americans uh, strong, to keep their spirits lifted. And baseball was, I would say, at the foundation of that. You know, 
even that you see the movies that have come out uh, a league of their own and how women kind of took the reins during certain times of the war and it really brought americans together so it may not be as mainstream today it may not be as entertaining today because today we have sports that have so much more action involved in it when you're looking at you know what what happens in basketball when you're looking at what happens in football all of the hits you know the big plays that's where baseball it's a lot more of, of the commentary so you 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 look at how the transition has changed where baseball's biggest media outlet at one point was radio you know now you see it on tv so baseball was all about commentary. You hear the, the, the big commentaries and, and they were really keeping America's pastime as America's, you know, number one pastime. But today, when you have television as your biggest media outlet, it is still hard to say that baseball is still America's pastime. It was what got us to be such a great nation, you know, and we like to hold on to certain things that keep us as a great nation. But honestly, when you want entertainment, you want to see it. You just don't want to hear people talking. And there are other sports out there today that are definitely more entertaining. But I don't think you can be able to say that baseball is not America's pastime because of the foundation and how it made America what it is today. That's my opinion, though. Wow, I think those are some excellent points, brother. <clears throat> but I'm going to throw out a few stats to you, right? Because All right. I think this whole concept of baseball being America's pastime is basically nostalgia. It's us holding on to, 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 to something that has been said for so long that kind of the old foginess in us is hesitant to change it. But I think the reality of where Americans are focusing their attention, what we spend our time doing, I think that is what should be considered our national pastime. And I think that, you know, I think football, especially the NFL, but college football being as popular as it is, I, I think that football has basically taken the American psyche by storm. I mean, we, got, uh, we get 100,000 people crowding in to see a college football game. And the NFL, the Super Bowl, is the most watched event on television pretty much every year. Unless OJ goes and slices up somebody and starts driving around in a Bronco, like, it, <laughs> it, typically that year, the Super Bowl is going to be the most watched thing. And, and this is repeated. Like, just looking up the stats, and I had to count pretty quickly, but over the last 20 years in the United States, 15 of those 20 years, the most watched event on television has been the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is essentially a national holiday. It's something that we throw parties for, we, we go buy televisions for, and it's like, we even sit down and watch the Super Bowl commercials. It's a tradition, it's built into Americana. We all know that the Monday after Super Bowl, we know some people are calling off or people are gonna feel shitty at work or whatever. Like, can you mm -hmm. think of any event in baseball that we get so riled up for? I can't. Right? No, because uh, honestly, I don't even enjoy watching baseball. You know, I, I, 
I would say I enjoy going to a couple of the baseball games uh, because the action is so spread out. You know, you, you get a hit, you get, you know, an out, uh, the pitchers on the mound. It is, to me, very dry. You know, today, you know, with the attention deficit disorders that we have in America, we need that constant, constant action. And baseball honestly just doesn't do it. Now, when you're in the stadium, they have so many other things that are there to entertain you. Uh, I remember the last baseball game that I went to was a, a White Sox game in, in the south side of Chicago. And it was a really good time because the audience was so involved in all the little different things that they had in the stadium, like the kiss cam, you know, where they go and they randomly find couples in the audience and tell them to smooch and stuff like that. The fireworks, when, you know, an action would happen or we would get a hit, you know, those types of things were necessary to entertain you. But you, you, you're hitting it on the point when you say that football is, I mean, it's, it's a huge, huge part of our culture. Um, we are doing things now like spending money on these OLED TVs just so we can see, you know, those hits on Sunday. Heck, uh, I, I'm excited for, for one of the, the games that's supposed to be playing tonight with, with the Rams and uh, the Seahawks, you know. And I can't wait to see that stuff. And I, just, I don't even know when baseball season ends, to be honest. But that's just me. <laughs> just to give the listeners, a, 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 one of the reasons that this topic popped in our mind is uh, we're recording this podcast in the month of October. It's October 2019. And so it, this is the baseball postseason. And right now there's a, a postseason game on. It's the, the Braves against the Cardinals. And I bet you you didn't even know that that was happening right now. See, that's my nope. point. And, and okay, but I mean, you brought up an earlier point that I want to get to because we're also Black Americans. And Black Americans, we know that like our preference isn't baseball. We, we have a tendency to, to lean towards the pigskin or lean toward the, the, the hardwood on the, uh, <laughs> or we have a tendency to lean toward the hardwood. So, you know, we yeah. like our hoops, we like our football. And I, I think that, uh, a lot of the people that happen to be holding on to this whole nostalgia of baseball and this thing that it represents um, are, you know, they're, they're often white guys. But I want to jump back to that in a minute. We'll come back to that topic. And I, I wanted to go somewhere else for a moment. And that's that the definition for the word pastime. So I, I took a moment just to Google the the word pastime. And the definition is, the first definition that pops up is, an activity that someone does regularly for enjoyment rather than work. And then there's a semicolon, a hobby. So something that someone does regularly, why can I not pronounce regularly? Um, oh, yeah, I know, right? It's because we're recording <laughs> the podcast right now. So that's when your tongue starts acting kind of funny. Um, or a hobby. To me, a pastime sounds more like something you do not something that you watch. It's, it's not entertainment. If you want to go by the technical definition of what a pastime is. But even then, I think that in the current state of America, the way that we are, how often are kids just grabbing a bat and grabbing their mitts and going out to the diamond by themselves and playing baseball? Like, I think that even if you consider this, because this is the argument that a lot of people would use to say that baseball is still our national pastime. But 
I don't think kids today are playing baseball. Most certainly black kids today aren't playing baseball. I think that if you want to say where, what our national pastime is as far as an activity, I, I, I think it would be hoops, hands down. I think that's the easiest sport, the most accessible, the most accessible one. Um, I'm, regardless of the suburbs that you drive in, what do you see in like every third or fourth driveway? There is a little portable basketball hoop. When a father goes out to, to do something just quickly with his son, just a little bit of sporting activity, what do you do? You go out in the driveway and you shoot a game of horse. In the hood where Rims and a few places where basketball courts still exist, that's where the brothers mm-hmm. go meet up and go and they, they play pickup games. If you have access to a gym, how often are people going and playing pickup baseball games? I know that softball has its popularity, but even then it's not baseball, it's softball. So like, I don't think baseball even fits the bill when it comes to national pastime. But then when you want to talk about television viewership, no, they don't win there either because the NFL is clearly the ratings dominator, like by far. And then when it comes to the championship game, a third of all American household televisions are tuned into the Super Bowl. Does baseball move the dial like that? Yeah. No, not even close. There's only one place where baseball moves the dial. And guess what that is? Actual attendance at the sporting event. Because last year, in the year of 2018, football, football total attendance was about 17.1 million. Whereas in baseball, baseball is actually dipping because they usually have attended somewhere in the upwards of 70 million in recent history. However, in the last couple of years, they've dipped below 70 million and uh, baseball attendance numbers this this previous regular season was at 68.5. So it's still dipping. Now you could say, damn, they got <laughs> four times as many people watching going to baseball games as going to football games. But here, there's a big difference. There's more than 4,500 baseball games in a season. While there's like 500, I think 578 maybe, that's don't quote me on that number, but there's definitely 500-something regular season football games. And so baseball has got like 10, 11 times as many games to basically accumulate those totals. Just by the nature of football and the brutality of the sport, it can't be played that consistent. So what I'm saying is that like, I, I think it's more an idea of exactly that, just holding on to an idea holding on to a concept that's long since passed. So, uh, I mean, I guess I just made a pretty strong argument for baseball not being the national pastime. So, I mean, you definitely made the argument. Um, And a lot of those points, you know, I I would concur with. Uh, The one thing that is kind of interesting to me, you know, I have children, I have three boys, and you said that the national pastime uh, in your opinion, would be basketball on the hardwood. You know, uh, you see that in everybody's driveways. Um, and it's true, depending on the neighborhood that you live in, uh, we live in one of those neighborhoods that may be a little bit bougier than, than, than others. But the point that I'm trying to make is, is that I don't really see as many kids outside in general in the first place. So when we get to pastime, the national pastime is probably Xbox One. 
or Xbox or 360 or PlayStation 4 or, whatever, or, or the Switch, whatever the, the game system is. But what drives the dollar value? You know, when we continue past that, you say, yeah, you know, um, the, the, the attendance at a football game versus the attendance at a baseball game. But the attendance at the baseball game and what moves the dial for people to really go to baseball games, I mean, it's probably the ticket costs. Man, those tickets that I got for that, uh, that White Sox game were given to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you go to a football game, you're you going to come out of pocket. And the Super Bowl, I haven't even thought about coming off that, those types of funds to pay for a Super Bowl ticket. Um, I can just imagine the expense. But, you know, that may be one of the driving forces to establish that football being our new national pastime. Because people are investing big dollars amounts just to go to one of those games. Now, you may be able to score some preseason games tickets for nothing, you know, a few dollars here and there. But Super Bowl tickets, man, I'm... I'm trying to save up for another house. I'm, I'm not trying to, to go spend no money on some Super Bowl tickets. What about you? But I think you hit on some important points that like when one of the cool things about baseball, we don't just want to completely diss baseball, um, is the fact that like you can wake up on a random Saturday afternoon and say, you know what? Hey, are the Cubs in town? Are the White Sox in town? In, in our case here, I'm in Atlanta. Are, are the Braves in town? And you could just look up and you can go score some tickets and you can just go pop into the game. Now, but I see, I, I, I think that the actual involvement with the game is, is not as much when you go into a baseball stadium. I, I almost feel like the game, in the case of baseball, is almost like elevator music. You have, it's, it's there and it's about the <laughs> no I, what i'm saying is it's about the event it's about being in the stadium with the popcorn and your hot dog and all of that other stuff and then half the time i go to a baseball game like i only sit there for a couple of innings i go in i go get a beer we go find our seats we go sit down we sit there for a minute then we go get up we go get something to eat and walk around the stadium we might do an activity there jump into the chop house but the point is it's like the game is of nominal importance and if, if mm -hmm. the game is not a compelling game by like we're out of there by the sixth or seventh inning to beat the crowds and I think that's the way a lot of people view baseball they just gotta go pop into the stadium just to be a part of something to be a part of the event because in a lot of instances for 10 12 bucks you can get some crappy bleacher seats and hop into the stadium so I, I think it's more of an activity you know, but I, I feel like people are more engaged when, when they go see a movie or, or watch at home. I mean, hands sure, down. you have your baseball purists, but. Hey, hands down, hands down. When you can be just as entertained listening to it than actually watching it, you know it's, it's, it's just not as exciting. Because I think you can get just as much entertainment listening to baseball on the radio as watching it. because. You know, he's rounding first. He's coming around second. He's going to make it there. Such and such, such and such. He slides. He's safe. Same and, entertainment level. And you know what else irks me? Um, What's that? 
It's because when I listen to baseball purists, like I'm actually in a, a fantasy baseball league with a bunch of nerds. It's funny because I'm the only brother in the league. And, they have uh, that? Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> such and these guys, they are baseball guys because we've had a debate and I just had to like check out of the debate because we started talking about football and their opinion was the furthest thing from what I could process. And to, to them, I'm like, guys, look at the numbers. Look at what the people like. People don't like your sport. But they kept going, baseball hasn't changed. The diamond is the perfect shape. It's God's shape. I Baseball hasn't changed in 100 years because it's the perfect game. I'm like, no, it's not. It's subject to the whims and changes of athletes, the changes of society, just like every other sport. That's why – Bud Selig right now is trying to institute changes into the game to like bring the young people back. If your game was perfect, then you wouldn't need to change it. You wouldn't talk about a pitch clock. And then another argument that I hear is everything is so subjective with refereeing in football and refereeing in basketball. True. One day we'll have to have a podcast about refereeing because I got lots of opinions about refereeing. However, yeah. baseball the most fundamental call to baseball depends on human subjectivity, which is the cause of balls and strikes. Right. And as you see, like they'll say, you'll hear baseball commentators send like, yeah, he's been hitting that spot just outside of the plate and the ump's been giving it to him. But then guess what? If it didn't cross over the top of the plate, guess what? It's not, it's not a fucking strike. That's what <laughs> called it a strike. And are you telling me that that's subjective? Like there's, if you get that extra two inches on either side of the plate, that's the difference between being a Hall of Famer or some fucking bum that gets run off the team. Because if you throw balls that don't cross the plate and hitters don't swing at them and the up call strike, guess what? That is yeah. a win for you, you know? So yeah. those things irk me about baseball purists. Now, again, this sounds like I'm just shitting on the game of baseball. Like, I used to be a big baseball fan. And I really actually think that the strategy involved with it, I think it is a really cool sport. But what I am saying is that the American consciousness has now turned its, has essentially turned away from baseball. Again, baseball is an activity that's the equivalent of going for a, going to the park for a walk. And it's about that exciting too, because you know, <laughs> to me, baseball is, uh, about as much fun. Like I, I used to enjoy playing. Uh, what was the game? Uh, pig, piggy. You know where you have to catch it on on two bounces or something like that. That's about as much baseball as I really need. You know, I I could really care less uh, about watching it on TV. Um, I, I I enjoyed going to that that White Sox game. Uh, the tickets were free. You know, nobody has handed me any tickets to go to see, you know, my team, the, the Chicago Bears. And that that lets you know right now that the argument that baseball is not our pastime, it is definitely not an African-American uh, number one pastime. It, it, I'm going to have to go with uh, – it's kind of tough between football and, and basketball. Uh, and if you look – got to go football. I mean – just just the revelry involved with college football, the like uh, the extremeness of fandom when it comes to the NFL. I think mm -hmm. all of these things um, 
basically, I mean, football clearly, to me, to me, the pastime doesn't necessarily, the way we think of it, because we understand that it means a hobby or something that you do to pass the time. But I'm going to say the thing that captures people's minds, the thing that captures the American consciousness that people talk about on the water cooler, that's what... I'm going to say the pastime is, and I think that the NFL or football in general, NFL, college football, I'm going to say it holds that mantle. Um, regardless, it's not baseball. However, you know what? We've hammered this topic to death in a minute. It's going to get boring just like a baseball game. So we're going to move. <laughs> <laughs> I think we made our point here. And we're going to jump on another Sorry, topic. Sorry, baseball. <laughs> Hey, we don't really care. We're black, remember? So um, <laughs> we're going to jump into the next topic, which is the NBA, which is something else that I've heard said, which I'm going to get into why I think it's actually a stupid argument, but is our super teams killing the NBA? Or for me to be more specific, um, Kawhi Leonard goes and makes a phone call and calls up Paul George and says, hey, come play with me. And then they go jump ship and go both decide to play with the LA Clippers. It's almost like the NBA is a very, very high priced pickup game. And Mm. is this killing the game? Is it killing the game? Well, what you're kind of referring to is making dynasties, you know, uh, and let's face it, you know, it, I loved uh, a good dynasty, especially when it's your team that's the dynasty. Um, I grew up in the Michael Jordan era. You grew up in the Michael Jordan era. You know, we originally from the Chicagoland era. And I can honestly say the Chicago Bulls at that time had a dynasty. It was a super team. You put Jordan and Pippen, you know, that was the team to beat at that time. And then, of course, you had some 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 show antics when they had like Rodman and you know uh, Harper and, and and all of these team members but they were to me the start of the the dynasty and the legacies so now you fast forward where you know they they play a little bit um lighter you know they do more things now to protect the the players because really the the NBA is trying to protect their investments and you're getting these super squads when Miami did it with LeBron, um, Wade, and uh, Bosch. You know, they put these cats together. And that was kind of, the, to me, the start of this super squad. You had to beat the Heat. And then just more recently, you, you got Golden State doing the same thing. So I'm not saying that it's killing it. Really, it's upping the level of competition. So now, instead of just uh, a, a two-dynamo team, you know, with Jordan and Pippen, that, that was kind of the terminology, now you have to have three and maybe even four superstars on the team. If you have a four-superstar team, now you are competitive. You can't just go in there with two superstars anymore and good, you know, backup players. You've got to have four. Because it's like the whole starting five of Golden State is, is just ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and really, I'm, I'm kind of saying that if you don't have f- 
four solid superstars, your shot at the finals is <laughs> it's going to be rough for you in this in this day and age because the game is just super competitive now. See, I, this is where I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Like, first of all, I think to be successful on an NBA team, you don't necessarily need four superstars. I thought that that number was three, but I, I think that you could even dwindle that number down to two. People might want to argue with me because they might say, well, look at the Toronto Raptors, because I think it's debatable whether or not Kyle Lowry is actually a superstar because you could say they won with one. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. you're, you're right. They probably won with one mega superstar in Kawhi Leonard. However, how often does that happen? That happens like once every 10 years. The last time that happened was when the Dallas Mavericks won their championship because the biggest superstar they had was Dirk Nowitzki. And after that, it was like Sean Marion, J.J. Barea, Jason Kidd, but he was past his prime. And mm-hmm. so typically in the NBA, you need at least two or three superstars to get it done. However, the question of whether or not super teams are killing the league, I'm going to say no. The NBA is more popular than ever. For four consecutive years, we had the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers in the championship. And people tuned in. And people still tune in to the regular season, even though it felt like the NBA Finals was very much a foregone conclusion. And Mm -hmm. that particular dynasty is over. Um, To build off another thing you, you mentioned is you talked about the Jordan era dynasty that we had that we were young we we had a chance to witness but there's one crucial difference to that that team was assembled by the organization by the gm jerry Krause. at that time um, players didn't exercise the type of autonomy that they did that they do now like both pippen and jordan were drafted for that much so was horace grant and the thing that you don't see is you don't hear about Michael Jordan like, hey, after I came back to basketball, I, I made a phone call to D-Ron and said, hey, man, why don't you come and hoop with us? It, it didn't go down that way. And no, because a lot of people have issue with, they look at it almost as if the inmates are running the asylum. And I'm like, no, we're talking about grown men, multimillionaires that make choices for themselves about where they want to work. In any other industry, it would be welcome. But, I I mean, how dare I say that it's clinging on to the last vestiges of a sort of slave mentality. And so, like, at the time that the collective bargaining agreement was basically negotiated, these players, they thought they were were going to be able to control these players with the dollars, right? They said, hey, well, Mm -hmm. this is how we'll keep a player in his home. You'll be able to offer more money to the player than any of – the other teams that they can negotiate with in free agency and players at some point, And it seems like the monumental moment behind this kind of seismic shift in the NBA, it was LeBron's decision. It was at that point when him and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh came together and said, guess what guys, we want to play together and we want to run the league. And ever since then players have basically have been using their influence to say, I don't want to be here. I want to be there or I want to be with so-and-so. So yeah, to a degree, the NBA is a glorified pickup game, but it's a pickup game that I'm tuning in for because these new combinations, I want to see All how the puzzle come together. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and that's what really makes it exciting. And I wouldn't say like like you were uh, alluding to that it's killing the game. It really is up in the levels of competitiveness. You know, if you if you're a new young you know athlete coming in out of college, you see what's happening, and it, and it could be a little bit more intimidating. But you just got to know that hey, you got to up your game to get into the NBA now because these super teams are are where it's at you know you you want to play with this they were in the uh i want to say they were in the olympics when lebron and and wade were having a conversation and saying yeah you know come on down here lebron we got something brewing down here in miami and that to me you hit it on the head when you said that's what set it off and to me, it's competitiveness i think the competitiveness at the top is great the only thing Mm -hmm. is we got a middle and we have a bottom and so, you know, franchises like the Charlotte Bobcats and the New Orleans Pelicans and mm. the Sacramento Kings, it's like, you know, are, are these franchises ever going to be able to establish, you know, teams that are contenders? Because it, it seems like the way, and who knows, maybe it'll come around because the Golden State Warriors, I, I don't think that team was put together through free agency. That team was put together mostly through being shitty for a long time and accumulating mm-hmm. draft picks and then making good draft picks that ultimately altered the course of that franchise. So I'm, I think in the NBA, there's still a lot of ways to win, partially because, I mean, you only really need five or six guys to be able to, to run this thing. If you got the right five or six, I guess you need a bench too, so maybe you can up it to seven or eight. But you got the right seven or eight guys I, that's probably a lot easier to put together than 40 or in the case of a baseball roster, like 20. You, you, you may have a point, but then it starts to beg the, the, the question of how some of these teams that are dynamo teams could not just turn the corner and, and make the championship. The, the team that really sticks out to me, and I kind of oppose this question to you is OKC, you know, how is it that OKC could have had all of that talent on the team with, you know, Westbrook, Durant, Harden coming off the bench at that time? He was like the the sixth man, you know. You had uh, Ibaka. Like, you had a dynamo team. To me, that team was superior than the Heat was. I just think the Heat wanted it more. And they won. But why is it that you got a team like OKC and they just can't seem to turn the corner and get that championship underneath their belts? I mean, because I think it's more than just the the name brand of the player. I think that in the NBA, while, while, while talent reigns supreme, it's not exclusively about talent. Or then we would never have those upsets. We would never have you know, the Toronto Raptors beating the Golden State Warriors, although they were uh, Banged up. they were a shell of themselves with the injuries mm-hmm. that they had. You would never have the Dallas Mavericks uh, winning that championship against the Miami Heat. You wouldn't have the Detroit Pistons beating those superstar Lakers back in the day. So in, in, in basketball, although I think the best team usually wins, there there is some room for a team to just kind of to get hot or, or – to cause a better team a matchup problem. And then we've also seen instances where like the 
each component of a basketball team, each player is so much more significant than, you know, hey, even baseball. And so, like, if those pieces don't fit together in a fashion where there's some type of continuity or chemistry, it, it, it doesn't work. I mean, we, we've seen instances of that where players are put together and it's, it's just not really a, a winning combination. So I, I still think you have to, to search for that a little bit. Well, having said that, I'm going to jump on to one more topic because we're kind of running toward the tail end of the podcast. And we, we've totally excluded NFL talk thus far. And I got to bring in one NFL topic. And we had a conversation about this off camera or off podcast, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. And we talked about parity in the NFL and then the Patriots. What is it that this organization, because the rules are the same for everybody. So mm-hmm. regardless of what happens with this Patriots organization, you have two constants, which we know, which is, uh, you know, Tom Brady, Brady Bill Belichick. Yeah. All of the complimentary faces around them have changed. You know, whether or not it was Ty Law or Willie McGinnis or, or uh, Asante Samuel, all these defensive players. Rob Gronkowski is now gone. And the, mm-hmm. and the Patriots continue to do what it is that they do. Even if their coordinators leave, Romeo Cornell, Charlie Wise, Eric Mangini, all of these people leave the staff, but yet the Patriots keep on rolling. What is it that they do in the NFL, a league that looks for and basically creates parity? What is it that they know that no one else seems to be able to do or execute? So the first thing is, is let, let's clarify parity for those who may not know uh, what parity is. Um, so basically, you're looking at uh, bringing in an equal playing field when we're talking about parity in the first place. Um, everybody is going to pull from, so in essence, we're looking at everything starting off equal. And then after that, there's nothing else equal about what's going on in the mind of Belichick. You know, it really has to start there. You know, he, he takes these athletes um, and he, first of all, he gives them uh, second chances. Athletes like, uh, what is it, is it Gordon? Um, uh, I know you guys just had a, a lot of conversation uh, about like Antonio Brown and, and, and his situations that he's run into lately. but it's a humbling experience to go and play for Bill Belichick. You know, you got to leave your, your personality, your, your superstarness at the gates when you come and you play for this team. The whole concept about playing for that team is winning. Now I'm not a huge Patriots fan. I'm never going to be a Patriots fan. They, they make me mad. They piss me off every time they beat my squad, but they are winning games. And like you said, it's not about the, the, the roster around the two major players. And that's Brady, who's probably the GOAT, uh, greatest of all time, and, and, and Bill Belichick. I mean, you also got, um, uh, what's his name? Gron- not Gronkowski, but uh, the kicker. The- now. 
You're talking about historically Vinatieri, but Vinatieri is on another team right now. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the Patriots have a couple team members that have been through a lot of these bowls. They're kicker <laughs> and their other wide receiver, the the little white boy. I can't think of his name right now. Edelman. Edelman, yes. Incredible. Yeah, where'd you so, think of that? Huh? It just came to you? Yeah. <laughs> it just came to me. <laughs> so basically what I'm saying, like, those players know that you know, it's, it's really about winning. And they can always <laughs> learn from some of these great genius athletes like, you know, the Gordons and the, and the Browns. But when it really comes down to it, it's about winning these games. And that's what they come out and they play it every day. And you got that genius behind the scenes in Belichick. You know, he puts the team together. Um, I saw some documentaries on how much work that they put in there. And when they start, you know, going over the organization and Brady and Belichick are, you know, checking off everything, uh, going over plays, looking at film. And they're basically taking away your weapons. They, they know who your high-powered weapons are, and that's what they come after you with, and they take away your fight. And that's how you win these games. You study your, 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 your opponents and your competition. So, If I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds to me that what you're saying is what the Patriots know is we have a great freaking coach in Bill Belichick. And it sounds to me like you're saying that Belichick and his game planning, his scheming is what the difference is. Because I think it goes so much deeper than that. And I think it starts with management, with like personnel, because it's like, yeah, Belichick schemes it up, but you still need talent that can go out there and execute it. And my contention is that parity is very much alive in the NFL. I mean, the Colts had a nice little run back in the day when Peyton Manning was still with them. But since then, we haven't seen any other team or organization that has like made it to the playoffs and made it uh, a, a respectable run in the playoffs and appeared in the Super Bowl as much as the Patriots have. But what I think is that because of the rest of the league is in parity, I think parity is somewhat synonymous with mediocrity. And so while the the rest of the league is basically wallowing in mediocrity with occasional highs and plenty of lows, the, the Patriots have found out how to maintain a steady baseline. Whatever the system is in the NFL that keeps these teams on equal footing, they figured out how to, to basically rise above that, to, to plug in pieces and have them do exactly what it is that they do best. And sometimes I wonder if someone else in the NFL had been great over the last 20 years, or if there was another two or three great teams, mm-hmm. would the Patriots still be dominant? There isn't. And so what they do almost just seems inexplic- in- inexplicable. It, it, it almost seems like some type of witchcraft or something, you know? <laughs> I mean, you, 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 can't, you can't mark it up as witchcraft. Like you said, the alchemy supporting yeah but the supporting cast like you said in the beginning changes so much so even when the supporting cast changes that much it has to be something else and when you 
look at the changes, you can't really market up to that. You have to look at the consistency. You know, you follow a scientific method, the things that don't change are the, the coach and the quarterback and everything else pretty much changes. So when you look at the consistency, it's the coach and the quarterback. You said it best when you stated that all of the supporting cast members change. Stability is, um, it really starts with leadership. You know, there, there's a few teams that have had really good runs and they had stability, especially at the head coaching position. For instance, obviously we talked about Belichick, but uh, the Packers had a good run with, with their head coach. Uh, Mike, Mike McCarthy, McCarthy before he was yeah. fired. Before he was fired. And they had some really good deep playoff runs and, uh, and, and the Super Bowl out of that as well. Um, I, see, I wouldn't go to Mike McCarthy. I, if I went anywhere for a team that's been almost consistent, and you got to say maybe a third is consistent, I would go to Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was, that was going to be my next one because Tomlin has been that head coach since I can remember really starting to watch football in depth. <laughs> Mike Tomlin, and I like Tomlin. He looked like somebody I could just run into on the street and be like, hey, what's up with it? Oh, wait a minute, you Mike Tomlin. <laughs> <coughs> he does seem like that guy. Yeah, yeah. They haven't experienced anywhere near the same amount of success as what the Patriots have. And then another thing I've noticed about that Patriots organization is that it, it seems like they almost run it in a militaristic type fashion. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I've heard grumblings throughout the uh, – not I've heard, but just – it. well, yeah, because in articles and through the media that uh, even Tom Brady sometimes he gets – um, frustrated with Belichick's relentless kind of no holds barred coaching style. Right. And another thing that I noticed is that you never get any pa Patriots player saying anything controversial to the media. You never have them showing very much of their personality to the outside world, at least not within the context of football. I mean, you Gronkowski got a little personality, but it was always outside of football and within, you know, within those halls of Foxborough, or, you know, anytime they're in interviews, nobody shakes the apple cart with the, with the Patriots. No, no. Randy Moss did. Randy Moss did once upon a time. And then, like, two weeks later, he was shipped out of there. The, the Patriots, it, it's like not only, not only have they established greatness, but they do it in a no-nonsense style. You know, like Chad Ochocinco, he wasn't any good when he was on the Patriots. But, I mean, he was just a mouth, just glad that big he was the Patriots. Um, big I mean, not only did you not hear a word from him on the field, but you didn't hear a word from him, period, during that time that he was there. And so whatever they yeah. know, you know, it's it's working and you, you can't knock it. And I would just love to see another organization or two at least rise above the level of parity in, in aka mediocrity and show some type of consistent winning where they're a consistent threat year after year and i just would i would love to see if they could still be the best in that type of environment and basically i'm turning the nfl into the nba <laughs> yeah yeah it, you know it, the nfl is probably the the hardest sport uh to really see a dynasty in um the Patriots literally are the only team that you can really say has a, has a true dynasty. 
Um, all the other teams, you know, they're looking good. Like, you know, right now the, the Chiefs are looking like a team that could be the next, next, next ones up. Um, but so do the Rams. Um, but other than those few squads, you know, everything is really uh, at a whim. But here's the thing. When you look at the NBA, you have a true playoffs. And, and, and I understand uh, the argument that because of how, how much they, the, the body wears and tears in, in the game of football, you can't play it like you would an NBA final where you have more than just a single game elimination in the playoffs. But if we were able to construct this game where we could have more than just a single elimination game, that kind of takes away, oh, you know, it, it was luck that y'all won. or Because let's face it, a couple of those championships that the Patriots won were really won by the opposition's foolishness, you know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know what I mean? So out of the six rings that I can remember, uh, I would say that two of them were really, really poor decisions, people getting fancy with what's going on. And it could have just as easily been us not having this conversation if they would have just played the game of football like everybody else in the world would have saw you should have played that game. But you got fancy because you was playing the Patriots. Uh, Bill Belichick scared, scared you to so you had a hole in the wall and you just tried to do something cute and lost the Super Bowl. There yeah, it is. Out thinking yourselves. In, in those two instances exactly. that you're thinking of, you're thinking of the Seattle Seahawks and throwing the ball on the one-yard line, yeah. which was uh, intercepted by Malcolm. I forget Malcolm's last name. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you're thinking of the Atlanta Falcons when they're on about – you know, they're on first and goal on about the 20-yard line with an eight-point lead and less than three minutes left in the game. Instead of running it three times and kicking the field goal, they try to get too cute with it. In both instances, both teams are guilty of doing exactly what the Patriots don't do. They shot themselves in the foot. They overthought it. And in both instances, came up with a loss. Um, and I'll just offer up uh, one point, uh, kind of, while you say that, they basically won two Super Bowls that they should have lost. They also lost one Super Bowl probably that they should have won. Uh, it wasn't a matter of stupidity. It was just a, a matter of the greatest miracle catch that I don't ever know. Happened. <laughs> yeah, just ever, ever happened. happened. And on that note, I think it's a good time to get ready to wrap up this podcast and – um, man, you're going to have to tell, tell, ask your wife to stop peeing in the shower or basically keep <laughs> the cleaning supply. I mean, how do you wash your piece in the shower? Does you smell it when you get in? That, that, like, no, no. I'm, I'm telling you, you know, peeing in the shower is, um, I can see the convenience, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's disgusting. You, you, you definitely don't want to do that, but you know, I know she does it. She admitted it one time. I think it was one of those times, you know, she she was pregnant and whatnot, and she just let let it go and and just I'm just like, babe, what 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 is going on here? And she was like, yeah, you know, I just didn't feel like going to the toilet. 
I don't know. The minority. I'm, I'm in the minority with this one. I'm, it, I'm the minority on that one too. It, it feels unnatural to me. It, to me, it's like I know you might as well just. You know how like you just have an aversion to peeing in the bed. Like <laughs> no, I, I'm in the bed. Like I gotta hold it. Like and you just do that. I kind of feel the same way. Like it would be unnatural for me to like pee in the shower, but. On that note, anything you'd like to say before we sign off? You know, um, like I said, man, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to just come on the show, uh, the ADP podcast. Like, like I said before, I have been a fan of the show. Uh, I just uh, feeling blessed to be able to come and share yeah, an so opportunity. Good with my That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, J-Rob, you know, I, I can't wait to, to have you and then possibly do maybe a three-way one of these days. I know you're busy, you know, God bless you, brother. Uh, I know, I love the way you guys end the show with just a positive affirmation for, for anybody that is watching. Uh, and, and I just want to continue to, to, to do that for you people and anybody that's listening, please stay positive, stay up. Um, you, there's so many great stories that, you know, one of these days that we'll be able to share. It may not be as much around the sports, but just life in general. Um, and, and I think that <laughs> when you guys do that, you're really showing us in, in a more positive light. And I just want to say we, we really appreciate that. So thank you for having me. Uh, it was wonderful yeah. time. Well, it, it, it's, it's an honor to be on the podcast with my brother. And then I also miss my brother from a different mother, which is J-Rob. So hopefully we can get him back on the podcast soon. I know he's dealing with some stuff, as we all have to deal with stuff. And that's why we just holding down the fort for him until we can get him back. And, um, yeah, guys, keep your head up out there. You know, stay away from the stupidity. And on that note, you know how we sign off every week with the big peace.